Hey guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. In this episode, we're talking about what you need to do to increase your income and reach your first $1 million. You know, there are almost 22 million people with a net worth of at least a million bucks in the United States. That's a lot of millionaires. Now, many of these millionaires are flashy. That's why you may not notice it. They get rich over long periods of time by maybe owning a home or years of investing. But what if you want to speed up the process? How can you become a millionaire before you retire? That's what this week's podcast is about, becoming a millionaire as fast as possible. I'm Stacy Johnson, as usual. My co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda Marquette. Hello, Stacy. I'm getting close to that millionaire status, so... That's what we like. You yeah. know I'm going to ask you anyway. You might as well just pop it up. <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hello, Aaron. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. Today, we are also happy to have Aaron B. Haig, the founder of the website Pricing Overhaul and the author of the book, Give Yourself a Raise, which I don't mind doing. Hello, Aaron. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Now, let's see. Uh, now, oh, also, I'm sorry. I didn't finish saying the name of your book. Give Yourself a Raise, the mindset and math you need to get to your first million. All right, then. I'm ready to become rich. Before we start, remember, guys, this isn't financial advice. Make sure to do your own research and consult your own experts before acting on anything you may hear on this podcast. Now, that's to keep us from getting sued so we don't lose a million dollars. Okay, so now let's go ahead and dive right in. Aaron, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you, where you are in your millionaire journey. Great. Awesome. Uh, thank you. My name is Aaron Haig. I am the creator of a method called Pricing Overhaul. Pricing overhaul is a mathematical formula that helps small businesses calculate exactly how much they have to charge in order to be profitable, more importantly, to get to their first million. As far as where I am in my journey, I can happily say that, yes, I am that millionaire next door. Now, you sound young to me. Do you mind my asking how old you are? Not at all. I'm 41. 41 seems pretty young to be a millionaire. So when did you become a millionaire? I would say we hit millionaire status a couple years ago. You said we, and that's you and I assume your husband. Me and my husband, uh-huh, yep. And so what exactly is it you, I'm a little confused. What is it exactly <laughs> that you do for a living? No, that's okay. So I own a consulting company called Pricing Overhaul. So my mission is to work with small business owners and help them reach their first million in their businesses. And so I have calculated or I've created a formula that I can put any business through to calculate exactly how much they have to charge for their services in order to hit their first million. Okay, so give me, let, let's go through an example. I am a small <laughs> business owner, but I own a website, so that probably wouldn't be appropriate for your process, would it? Um, no, you know, it really you depends, know, really on, what depends on what type of services you offer. I work with uh, web developers, web designers, all kinds of services. So the process is I work mainly with service providers who are unfortunately in the trap of trading time for money. And I try to get them out of that model and switch them on to a recurring revenue model, but also to find out what price points they need to charge at their current client capacity, or I should say ideal client capacity, in order to first start making money, then become profitable, and obviously the goal being to hit your first million. Now, I find myself between a dog and a fire hydrant right here, and I'll tell you why. Because the other two people on this podcast, besides you and me, Aaron, 
work for me. Are, are, are they, or, are they make, they're, they're both independent contractors and they work for me, but they, they both work with me. Um, and so what I want you to do is use them as an example of how they, sh they should price their product properly, but without me having to spend more money. Can you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the idea is when I work with business owners is I, I never want them to reduce their expenses. I certainly don't want them to reduce their payroll expenses. I want them to be able to pay the people who work for them more. And the way that you do that is you increase your income. You don't decrease expenses. It costs money to make money. And so what I help business owners do is shift their mindset around what does it actually cost you to run the business? How much do you need to pay your talent and pay them what they're worth? And then bake all of that into your pricing structure. I don't want to pay them what they're worth, but let's assume that I <laughs> let, let's assume that I did though. Let, let's use let's use Mar now. Miranda's a freelance writer, and yeah. Aaron does uh, lots of stuff: video marketing, uh, this podcast. So these are people who provide services to me. If they came to you and, and they said, Aaron, what do I do so that I can make more money, so that I can become yeah. a millionaire? What, what, what's the first step? Okay, so I'm going to first talk to uh, Mar about Miranda <laughs> and talk to Miranda because she's a freelance writer. And I actually, I have several clients who are writers and copywriters and, you know, do freelance work like this. And they work with uh, specific clients on repeat, right? So the first thing that I always do is I try to, we do a profit analysis. We have to know exactly where you are from a profit standpoint in order to know where we need to go. So that's the first thing. And that first step is pretty eye-opening to most business owners. I find that on average, business owners have a four to 6% profit margin in service industries. And we ideally wanna get that above 30% minimum, right? So then what we need to do is calculate your monthly revenue needed in order to hit certain targets, in order to be within healthy margins, pay yourself the owner what you want to make, pay your employees, bake in the profit. And then once we know what your monthly revenue needed is, based on your ideal client capacity, we determine a number called your monthly client value. Now I'm throwing a lot of math terms out right now and it might feel like one of those word problems from high school, but we want to calculate your monthly client value. How much each client must be worth to you every single month financially in order for you to hit those targets. And so this is the, the process that I take clients through and whatever that monthly client value says it has to be, that's how much you have to charge your clients on a monthly basis for your mid-tier services. Let, let's plug some numbers in here to see if I can wrap my mind around this a little better. Okay. Okay, so, let me get my calculator. <laughs> yeah, yeah let, let's say, okay, well, actually, let, let's ask um, let's ask Miranda um, what, okay, so the idea is Miranda wants to make X number of dollars a month. So that's the first thing she decides, how much money she wants to make a month. Is that right? Yeah, so, but there's, it's more detailed than that. It's, we need to know what are all of your operating expenses? What are your payroll expenses? What are your tax liabilities? What does your owner salary need to be? We add all of that up and then we divide it by 0 0.70 to bake in a 30% profit margin. Okay. So the, okay. She, she needs to make, she needs to make $10,000 a month. Okay. Okay. So then, uh, so to bake in a, no, th that's, that's without her profit margin. So we divide that by 0 0.7, right? Yep. So she needs to generate $14,285 per month. Okay. 
So now what? What now? What do we do? She 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 now she's going to go and see if she's making that from the customers that she has, the clients that she has, like me, for example. Correct. And if she's not, then what we need to do is we need to say, okay, based on your capacity for clients, you might not be operating at full capacity. You might only be operating at fifty percent. But I like to do ideal client capacity. And we determine this based on the hours that you are available for client interaction divided by monthly client utilization. So how often your clients utilize your services every single month. So let's say that we decide that, or she decides, I have the capacity for 10 clients a month. That's it. In order for me to provide the best service, my capacity is 10 a month. So I divide the 14,000 by the 10. And that tells me that, she needs to, on average, charge her clients $1,428 per month. Now, that would be her mid-tier offering. Of course, these are all made-up numbers, so I don't know you know, what her capacity is or what her numbers are. But then I would say, okay, on average, your clients need to pay you or need to be worth $1,428 per month. So now what we're going to do is create pricing offers options and a suite of offers where the $1,400 price point is the mid-tier most utilized package that you offer. So that on average, across all services that you offer, you are bringing in an average of $1,400 per month per client to hit your monthly revenue needs. And then as your monthly revenue needs increase, so we hit that, great. So now let's bake in a higher owner salary. Let's bake in a higher profit margin. Then we're able to you know, adjust the prices accordingly. So I recalculate these numbers, these figures for my clients probably um, once every six months. Yeah, I'm pretty familiar with this concept. I mean, uh, I used to be in the olden days, I was an accountant and I have lots of friends that are CPAs now. And essentially what they would do, and this isn't exactly what you're talking about, but it's kind of the same thing. Um, you, you want to increase your revenue per, per client. And so what you do is you drop the lowest paying clients every year, especially if they're replaced with higher paying ones. And that's really what you're talking about here. But what, what if what what if Miranda says she needs to make fourteen hundred dollars a month from me? She needs to write two stories, and and I'm not willing to pay seven hundred dollars a story. So and I'm not, you know. So so now what she now what she could do is she could find somebody who will pay her seven hundred dollars a story, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or so absolutely, you might not be her client. Right. You know, you might not be the person who is going to pay her for her services, and that's okay because there are others out there who will. But the beauty of creating what I call a value ladder or a suite of offers is there are different options at varying different price points on a scale. Yeah. And so you say you might say, look, I'm not willing to do that. That's not for me. But this other offer that might be a lower price point with, you know, less interaction or less support. I'm willing. I want I want this one. So there's an offer for everybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we all go through this, too. I mean, even my wife is on a salary. But when she got her job, I said, you should ask for X. Um, and she said, because, you know, once you once you start at something, it's, you know, when you get a raise, obviously, it all starts at the very first day. Right. Uh, how much you're going to get paid per year. So she but she was unwilling to give that higher or, or make that higher offer because she was afraid she wouldn't get the job. So she settled. And now, as a result, 10 years later, she's getting raises every year, but I wish, I wish they'd started at a higher base. 
Uh, but but it's my point is this: when you're selling your services, it's difficult to overprice because not overprice, right price, let's say, because you're afraid you won't get the job. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients. We first start with the mindset around the amount of money that you have to charge and being okay with no and being okay with some people not wanting to work with you because of your price points. And I do this a a ton of work, mindset work around your value, your worth. And what I have found is that when we do the math and the math tells you exactly how much you have to charge, there's no arguing with it because two plus two will always be four. Like you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody who argues with that. So when you do the math and the math tells you, hey, this is how much you have to charge in order to make the money that you're wanting to be making, it's easier to convince yourself into, okay, these are the prices I need to charge. That makes sense. But but now, even if even if Miranda's able to hook me for 1400 bucks a month, fat chance, but let, <laughs> let's say she is, uh, we're still talking about becoming a millionaire. So what we've, what we've covered so far is we've covered, let's, get, let, let's price ourselves properly so that we can make as much as we deserve, right? I mean, isn't that basically what this conversation has been about? Yes, 100%. Okay, now how do we get from there? So now, let's say Miranda was making $50,000 a year. Now she's making $150,000 a year. That still doesn't make her a millionaire. So what, what does she do next? Right. So uh, what I do with my clients is we're constantly adjusting the the goal, right? And we're constantly moving that goalpost a little bit further and making the edits and adjustment within our businesses in order to reach that. It could be a matter of expanding the type of services that you offer. Then from a business perspective, bringing on additional team members who then allow you to increase your capacity for clients and so forth. Offering different types of services that are evergreen, that are recurring, that, you know, I offer a ton of online courses and recorded masterclasses that I did once, and I never have to go back and invest time into them again. And I've got people purchasing them nonstop while I'm sleeping. Okay, cool. Now, I want to know what Aaron and Miranda think of this, but <laughs> we have to take a really quick break first, but I can't wait to find out what they, if they're going to become millionaires for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be right back, folks. <laughs> Okay, we are back. So tell me, what do you think of what you're hearing so far, Miranda and Aaron? What do you guys think of this? I mean, it makes sense. Um, like, as far as I'm concerned, it makes a lot of sense because, like, that's kind of, in a lot of ways, how I figure out how I am going to manage my my freelance schedule. Like, what she was talking about, I have a spreadsheet where I keep track of um, how long it takes me to do article, like, each write each article, how long the article is, what my fee is. So I can get an idea of who's giving me like what's what's my best, you know, hourly rate in quotes here, because for the most part, I do not do hourly work. I work either on retainer or I work per article or per project. So um, so getting things done faster doesn't penalize me. Uh, one of the things that bothers me the most about, um, you know, hourly work for a lot of this stuff, especially if you have solid deliverables, is the fact that like working faster penalizes you. Like if you're more efficient, then you are penalized. And so um, I do like to get an idea of how long something is taking me so I can see which uh, which clients are most efficient or uh, best for me to work for. But for the most part, yeah, I um, 
I try to avoid working at an hourly rate. And this 100% is what I teach my clients. You just said it beautifully and like, oh, well, you could have done a masterclass on it. Uh, yeah, it's getting getting off the hourly rate, removing yourself from the model of trading your time for money and recurring revenue, getting people on a retainer, get, you know, having that guaranteed consistent money coming in every single month is the first step. Thoughts, Aaron? What do you think? I was just curious, like uh, there's so many different businesses and so many different models. How do you jump right in to begin to understand something like for what for Miranda does versus what I do, which would be video? There's, there's so many different elements to them, so many different uh, price points and, and um, things that are, are fighting against you making money. Uh, how do you dive into that? Is there like one mathematical equation that kind of works for everything or, or how do you learn each business? Yeah. So I really, I love that question because that's one of the roadblocks when people come to me and they're like, I bet you're never going to be able to do that. I'm an event planner. How do you create this type of pricing for my business? Here's the thing. Math is math. It is what it is. And the formula works across the board, regardless of the type of business. Now where the creativity comes in and where we have to get really specific about the nuances within the business are going to be the way in which we package the services. So those are two different things, right? The math is standard across the board. That's going to tell us what each client has to be worth. That has to be the price point. Now, the creativity and where we dive in when I'm working with a business owner is how are we going to uniquely position the services and package them based on the nuances of your business? And that's the fun part. That's where it gets really creative. And you have businesses who are offering packages and services that are completely outside of the norm in their industry. And because of that, they're now attracting new clients because new clients are like, nobody does it like this. Oh, my goodness. That's such a brilliant offer. Well, easy to say, not necessarily so easy to do. I mean, depend, well, obviously, depending on what your business is and how underpriced or you were or, or overpriced you are. Uh, but but you know, let, me, let me stop here for a second, too. Let's bring everybody into the conversation. Because what we've talked about so far is people who are self-employed, which it happens to include all four of us, but just, but doesn't include a whole bunch of other people. Does this, does this same type of logic apply to the person on salary? You know, I think that, yes, it does. There is an understanding of how much you have to bring in as a human, as an employee, in order to cover your expenses, your lifestyle, and all the things that you need to have in your life. You, your, your retirement accounts, putting money away for your children's education. There are so many things. And so the mathematical formula can be done across the board for anybody. And that could really show an employee, this is what it is I actually have to be generating every single month, and this is what I'm generating. And what is the discrepancy between my current salary and where I need to be or where I want to be? Yeah, I mean, for most people- Anybody could be listening to this and going like, I make $100,000 a year, but my number is 200,000. So, right. so how are they gonna get from here to there? Okay, so what do we have to do to get you to $200,000? Like, is it a, a a different position with a different company? Is it asking for a raise because you haven't asked for a raise in ever? Now, are they going to double your salary? No, but you're moving your way up. 
Are there other types of projects that you could be doing for yourself on the side? Like how many people have a side hustle in order to get there? And then your side hustle could eventually become your full-time gig. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. So how, so how do we, how do we start doing this? I mean, what is, I mean, the first step, it's easy, I would think to say, uh, you know, I want to make 200 grand. Um, but how do we actually, I mean, like, is, and I guess it's going to be different for everybody depending on how they're going to get to where they're going, right? Right. So I'm also, I don't believe in just picking an arbitrary number out of the sky and saying, this is what I want to make because, oh, 200,000 sounds good. If we're talking about an employee, what you want to do is how much do I, what are my monthly, or you can do this on an annual basis, needs to cover all of my living expenses? Great. Okay. So I at least know what that is. Now, what are my tax liabilities at the end of the year? Let's add that in. What are those extras that I need? I should be saving or I want to be saving X number of dollars every single month. We got to add that in. You know, I want my kids to be able to do gymnastics and ballet and soccer and all the things. How much does that cost? You add that in. You know what? I want to take this vacation every year with my family. And not just one, I want to take three vacations a year and this is how much it's going to cost. So you add it in. And so when you start having really looking at the vision for your life that you ultimately want, you start adding all of that up. And whatever that number is, what is the discrepancy right now? How much do you have to make up between what you're currently taking home and where you ultimately need to be in order to hit all those life goals. Yeah, and that, that makes some sense. We, the last podcast we did, I think, <clears throat> you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, we were talking about, uh, I, I said I wanted to be a millionaire when I was, I wanted to be retired. That's what it was. We were talking about the fire movement. I wanted to be retired when I was 30, uh, which was, you know, 37 years ago. And I wasn't, ret- and I'm not retired now. Uh, but anyway, that was my goal. And I remember, th- I mean, went through this process more or less uh, back then. This was uh, 1977. Uh, and, and I said, uh, well, here's, here's what I need. Uh, I, I need to buy, I need to buy an apartment complex. I need to buy a boat, blah, blah, blah. I needed $400,000, whatever it was. I can't remember. Um, so, and, and I started working in that direction. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to buy real estate. And I started studying real estate. Uh, yeah, and I was an accountant at the time, but I was going to do real estate on the side, you know, buy houses, fix them up on the weekends, blah, blah, blah. And I did get started doing that. I did not become a millionaire when I was 30 years old, but I did put myself on a path to becoming self-employed and, and going forward and, and ultimately did become a millionaire. Um, so, I mean, I think there's some value to this, even if it's not, I don't want to say as easy as it sounds, because it's not easy to go from 100000 to 200000 and it's not easy, you know, to for Miranda to start charging twice what she charges now because she's going to have to replace a lot of her clients. Um, but but it is something to it is something to focus on. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it you know it's all a grant a gradual uh, moving forward, right? You're not going to hit it overnight. And I certainly, if the math tells me when I'm working with a client that they should be charging twice what they're charging you know that we're doing step-up plans. Like we're doing this gradually. Um, We're not haphazardly throwing, burning down our businesses and starting over, you know? Um, Another thing that I really work on with businesses is prepping to sell. Like the way that my husband and I became millionaires 
And when it happened, it was because I sold a business that I built. I started a business when I was 27. I owned it for nine years and I grew it to a certain profitability standpoint where I could sell it for 40 times my original investment. So also working with business owners to be like, okay, let's always have an exit strategy, right? We don't want to just own businesses and become employees of our businesses. You want to build a business and eventually sell it. I want to yeah. um, touch on something with that uh, that you mentioned in your book. And you uh, alluded to the fact that a lot of people price point themselves, whether it's their business or whether it's themselves in, in a working environment with emotions. And a lot of that kind of gets in the way because you're, you're a numbers person and you say you got to look at the numbers and that kind of should be more of a guide. And a lot of people use their emotions. And another thing you were saying in here is uh, uh, women entrepreneurs typically earn 20% less than, than their male counterparts. And a lot of that is just just undercharging and maybe just it's just an idea and, and you don't know why but yet you say hey you know you can earn a lot more how much does emotion play into all of this stuff oh my goodness well my primary client is a female business owner and i would say 99 percent of it is emotion um we open businesses and they become our babies like i actually referred to my first business as my first baby because i opened it before i had my actual real babies. And you wrap so much of your self-worth into how well your business is doing. And as humans, we want to avoid pain, right? That's We want to avoid it at all costs. And so it's easier for, for us to undercharge or just copy our competition and say, well, this is the going rate. This is what I have to charge because it's safe. And there's no rejection, there's no pain. And when you do that, you set yourself up for failure because everybody else did that, right? Yeah, I can tell you with 100% certainty that most, your your competitor did not do the math. Your competitor did her version of market research and said, well, this company is charging this. They offer similar services. So I either have to charge that much or undercut their prices in order to have a competitive advantage. Well, she did the same thing and her competitor did the same thing and then her competitor did the same thing. And it's just a vicious cycle. Somebody has to break the cycle and just do the math. And it takes one person in your industry to do the math and raise the bar on how much you have to charge for everybody else in your industry to be like, thank goodness, it's about time. You've now given me permission to increase my rates. It makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. At the same time, though, I mean, it's it's also not easy to do that. I mean, you know, it, well, what what I tried to do when I was starting this business is uh, undercut people, you know, and then because with with the mindset that I was going to increase my rates later, you know, as I got more traffic and I got more newsletter subscribers, et cetera, et cetera, then I would find additional ways of making money. But but I can't make money with no subscribers, so I did whatever I had to do to get subscribers, even by giving stuff away. Uh, but but you know the problem is I think we can get uh, we can become lax and never make that step into monetizing more efficiently monetizing the customers that we have, right? One one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean exactly as you said. Um, or you get into that emotional state where you're scared to scare them away. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. But then you also have to think about if you undercut your prices 
and you were doing everything just to generate an audience and to bring on a clientele, you, you attracted a low ticket audience. It's going to be more difficult for you to raise your rates on an audience who is just low ticket buyers, right? So I actually, I don't, that's not the model I work on with my clients. We set the price points immediately based on what you have to charge, based on what the math tells you. And I, I'm i definitely numbers, but I'm also a little bit of the woo in it. I believe in the law of attraction. And if my math tells me that this is the price I have to charge and I put it out there and I in full faith and and am unwavering about the price that I'm charging and the value that I offer, I am going to attract the clients who want what I have and are willing to pay the amount that I'm char- that I'm charging. Yeah, that makes total sense. And that's why, and I hope you, this isn't going to come at a bad time, but we have to charge you $5,000 to be our guest on this podcast. Wake <laughs> <laughs> it up with my publicist. Uh, no, I, I've, got, I've got my calculator right here, Aaron. I'm sorry. It's, just, it's the numbers, okay? That's what it's telling me. I have no choice. Oh, and by the way, uh, Aaron and Miranda, a little charge for you guys as well. Thanks. I think 1500 will do it. <laughs> so you guys, we're, unfortunately, God, the time has just flown today because this is a really fascinating topic. Do you guys have any more any more insights to provide, Aaron, Miranda, any feedback? I mean, I think I think the the key here is uh, kind of what we've talked about in the past is is working backward and figuring out, you know, what do you need, and then kind of working backward from that to set up a situation where you are uh, increasing your income and moving forward with that plan. A lot of the time, we spend a lot. We, we spend a lot of time saying like, okay, well, let's cut back, let's cut back, let's cut back. But you can only cut so much. Uh, the nice thing about this is you can um, kind of work backward and say, okay, how much do I need to increase my income and kind of go from that tactic because you can always make more money, but you reach a point where you can't cut anymore. Yes. I could not agree with you more, Miranda. And it also is scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset. And when you're trying to scrimp and cut back, you're operating from a place of scarcity, which then attracts a certain type of mindset and belief and client and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But when you're operating from a place of, let me just increase my income from an abundance standpoint, you're attracting at a, a completely different frequency. Now I've gotten really woo here, okay? But I believe that there's a balance between between the two. I like that idea. And uh, now the the you know the last thing too that I want to throw in here is that I I've been I've owned my own business for well basically I've been self-employed for 40 years. Um and sales isn't the main thing. It's the only thing. That's what I always tell people. Here here's an expression I use. It's better to have a mediocre product and a great salesperson than the other way around. Uh, my, my point is this. If you're going to move to the next level in pricing your product, you're a salesperson. We're all salespeople. Even if you have, an, even if you have a salary, you're a salesperson because you're going to have to convince somebody that you're worth more money. And hopefully you are, but none, even if you are, you still have to convince them. So being able to, be, being able to sell, uh, first of all, believe in who you are and then sell that concept to somebody who's going to pay you more isn't that isn't that critical to this, Aaron? Yes, and for me, sales is so simple because sales is just telling the truth about your business. That's all it is. Tell the truth about the service that you provide and how you can help your client. 
it's a, it's just a sharing. Uh, I don't even, when I am working with somebody and talking to a potential client, I don't even feel like I'm having a sales conversation. I don't feel as if I'm selling necessarily. I'm simply telling the truth about my business and my service, and I'm inviting them to work with me. It's an invitation. Yeah, that makes total sense. And that may, and I can tell that you're a very effective salesperson because, you know, now in my experience, I used to be a stockbroker and uh, telling the truth is always a great way to sell, but you do whatever it takes. If a lie sells, you need to tell a lie. I'm, I'm kidding. I don't really mean that. But, you know, <laughs> I used to tell people, I used to television news and Aaron was my shooter. Um, and um, we'd go into a place and I'd always say, remember, we're here for a good story, not a true story. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's uh, that's, a, that's true that I used to say that, but of course, we always tell the truth. Anyway, I think that's all the time we have. Aaron, do you have anything else you need to add before we leave? I, I mean, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N. Yeah. There's two Aaron's on this podcast. No, but I do need a sales guy. Stacey, are you available? I am available to sell. I, I've been selling my whole life. I can't stop doing it. Okay, good, good. Let's you know, I, I got my practice in bars talking to women. So I'm used to rejection, buddy. I'll tell you. I'm taking this podcast to my wife, though. I want her to listen to it. <laughs> That's a good idea. And then next thing you know, Stacy gets a bigger bill at the end of the month. This isn't right. <laughs> that wasn't what I was aiming no, well, for here. Can you see? <laughs> if these guys get a raise, it's coming out of your pocket, Aaron, E-R-I-N. <laughs> okay, kids, it was a great podcast. We sure appreciate you being here. Uh, and everybody out there, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast. Tell your friends. Well, it takes you two seconds to subscribe. really helps us out. We really appreciate it. Uh, Aaron, again, thanks very much for your time. Uh, tell me, tell us your book again and your website. Yes, my website is pricingoverhaul.com. My book is Give Yourself a Raise, The Mindset and Math You Need to Get to Your First Million. Pricingoverhaul.com. Let's all go there. And if you want to see Miranda at her online home, that is Miranda Marquette, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And MoneyTalksNews.com, of course, is where you want to go for all kinds of information. Uh, again, if you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, tell us about it at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. Okay, guys, I'm Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. And clearly, I don't have my own website to, <laughs> to offer. <laughs> Go to AaronFreeman.com. You won't find Aaron there, but why not? Just try it anyway. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. We're going to see you right here next time. <laughs>